Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. At your Thanksgiving meal with family and friends a couple weeks ago, there was a shared, unavoidable sentiment, and it's that the world all around us is breaking down, and it's undeniable. The breakdown is of such a nature that even your most hardened political ideologue can't blame the mess on this party or that party. Viruses, school shootings, and Christmas parade massacres are simply beyond the pale of what can be comprehended by a rational mind. And that's really the point. It is only by the sacred scriptures and through them that we know the full extent of the mess that we are in. That man is corrupted by sin. And that apart from spiritual regeneration, he is an enemy of God, hostile and hateful and spiritually dead. Because of our sinful condition, we all live under what has historically been called the curse of the fall. The curse of the fall is God's action of handing over the creation to decay as a consequence for man's sin. And this results in human suffering and in diseases, in all kinds of disasters. Now don't misunderstand me here. We are not saying that God is responsible for sin, in no way. But because of man's rebellion, he gave over the world to the dominion of Satan and the depravity of the sinful flesh, but all to remind us that we are fallen creatures in need of his salvation. And therefore, if you found yourself at Thanksgiving or during the last couple weeks, scratching your head and struggling to comprehend the evil that is all too present in the news, well, that's actually a good thing. Because God wants you, to, in a various uh, degree, in a state of discomfort with this world and discomfort with the way that things are. We should be simultaneously shocked and horrified by what we see in the news just as much as we are shocked and horrified by our own imaginations, our daydreams, our insatiable lusts and appetites. We should thank God from the bottom of our hearts that the violence and public scandal that we see in the world has not fully manifested itself in our own lives, although our hearts have so often tended toward those very same destructive things. That we've been spared here is truly only by God's mercy. Above all, we are to view the consequences of the fall and the curse of the fall as daily reminders of both our individual and collective need for a Savior. The time we are given here on this earth is intended as a time of grace for all of us, as an invitation from God for daily repentance, worship of Him, and love and service to the neighbor. That's why we're here. But now, at this time of the year, 
At the end of the year, we contemplate the end of time. The wind is blowing cold and the nights are long. And as the trees stand bare and empty, lifting their arms to the sky, we recall the end. But the Advent message for us Christians, it is no dismal dread of doomsday. No way. The season of Advent is about the joyful and eager expectation of the kingdom of eternal joy and light. So this morning, Jesus, he graciously gives us yet another warning to be ready for his coming. He tells us to expect him in every cloud that we see and in every flash of lightning and thunder that peals across the sky and always, always to be ready for him. In the midst of winter, our Lord starts pointing toward eternal spring and summer. He says, look at the buds in springtime and know that the summer is near. Jesus likens the trouble and decay in this world as signs which point to renewal and restoration. And when these things begin to take place, that is, increasing trouble and chaos in the world, we are to straighten up, to raise our heads, because your redemption draws near. Stay awake at all times. Pray that you may have strength to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man. So our Lord preaches to us this morning. To be sure, the return of our Lord will be horrific for those who have despised the gospel. But no one, not a single soul, should fear that day in the very least if he simply longs to be free from sin. Instead, the only ones who should fear that day are those who long to keep their sin. Now, admittedly, we are so weak. We are weak as we await this great and awesome day of our Lord's return. We are simultaneously saint and sinner, and so our hearts are divided. We say, come, Lord Jesus, but in our hearts we say, come, but not just yet. We imagine that he is coming to end all of our fun, but it's just the opposite. He's coming to save and deliver, to bless and to restore. He comes to fulfill every desire of your heart and to bring about eternal summer. You won't miss anything down here, because every enjoyment you know and every pleasure you can imagine is a thousand times greater in the life to come. And so we should learn to ache and long for the joys he brings and to have no fear at the thought of saying goodbye to this world. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The words of Jesus are our only hope. They are rock solid. And a life that is built upon them is a life that is built secure. And a heart that hopes upon the words of Jesus is a heart that hopes secure. His words, 
Jesus' words bring the coming king to reality here and now. His words gain victory over these divided hearts so that they become laden and full with the promises of Christ and hope in nothing but him alone. Dear friends, Christ our Lord writhed in agony on the cross to set us free. He exchanged our hell for his heaven. He bore the fierce storm of God's wrath for us, also that, that, also that the day of judgment would be for us but a cool and gentle breeze. The power and authority of Satan has been dealt a fatal blow by Christ. He rose from death. He's been exalted at the right hand of the Father, where he is crowned as King of King and Lord of Lords. And by baptism, he joins us to his cross and victory over this world. He seals our bodies for the day of the resurrection of all flesh with all the saints in light. So sure, there is plenty of trouble in this world. But it's only because the devil knows that his time is so short. But when Christ soon comes again, he completes his work of redemption with the consummation of his kingdom. And all things will be brought into captivity to him. And every knee will bow in submission to his authority. Jesus, this morning, he tells us to look at the budding trees and to find comfort. So let us do just that and direct our eyes to the tree of the cross on which hung the world's salvation. Look at those outstretched limbs of that tree. Look upon the fragrant blossoms of those wounds which bring comfort and healing. Look at his budding side which poured forth the fruits of salvation from that pierced side. Fix your eyes, every one of you, upon the crucified one, raised up and yet also enthroned upon the altar, the Lamb of God who is slain and yet lives and makes all things new. Because at this table, the age to come is already here. And there in his body and blood is visible glory for all to see in the here and now. So as you see and experience trouble in this world, do not give in to despair. Never forget that the one who reaches out to you with his body and blood is the very one who says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. May God strengthen our hearts that we would fear nothing except losing him. As we eagerly await his return, let us all prepare for him right where he wants to be found in the cattle stall in Bethlehem, and in his supper, to which he invites us all. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. amen.